Hi, my name is Scott Jones. I'm the uh, editor and uh, owner of Martian Migraine Press out of Victoria, Canada, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Thank you for joining us again, Scott. It's wonderful to see you. Can you enlighten us on what you've been up to in the past several months since we spoke? Yeah, it has been a little while, eh? Well, uh, I think the last time we spoke, we were uh, I was uh, in the uh, final stages of uh, producing the, uh, the uh, main anthology for... Uh, for Martian Migraine Press, which was the uh, uh, Breath from the Sky. A Breath from the Sky, which is uh, unusual stories of possession. And uh, yeah, we were just starting to wrap, wrap that up and put that one to bed. It is now out in the world and uh, doing pretty well for us. We're quite happy with it. We got a nice selection of authors yeah. uh, for Breath from the Sky. And uh, yeah, we're very excited about that book. But of course, you know, that's still, that's the past. We're moving on to projects for uh, the remaining part of this year and of course you know looking into looking into 2018 as well so yeah <laughs> so, uh, you have Cathonic coming up is yeah that well we decided that uh, A Breath from the Sky has uh, I don't know I, I almost want to call it an airy book you know it's 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 dealing with no not not to get too elemental about these things but uh, basically what you had with that is uh, my brief for it was I wanted, I wanted stories that took the theme of demonic possession, uh, a la Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space, you know, which was, un which is an unusual, that, 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 that was the root, that was the root story. That was the seed story for the anthology. That's what we do, uh, with Martian Migraine is our, all our anthologies are, you know, they usually have. We like to we like to pay homage to, you know, the weird fiction titans of the past. And Color Out of Space is clearly one of Lovecraft's, you know, uh, greatest greatest stories. And it's also a very strange one in that what you have with it is, you know, you basically have this uh, entity rides in on a meteor and uh, begins to alternately, you know, uh, consume alter, mutate, but essentially what it does to the area that it lands in is it possesses it, right? There's all sorts of bizarre effects, but at the end of the day, as I was reading it, I'm like, so what's actually going on here? You know, folks are, folks are changing, animals are changing, plants are changing, the land itself is changing, you know, it's becoming this other thing, which is, you know, making changes to it so that it's more at home. You know, very sci-fi concept for so early in the so so for for so early in the era. Yes. And uh, but at the same time, you know, the the entity is not so. It's definitely an entity. It acts like radiation. It acts like a virus. But you know, it has it has you know possessing effects on the people that encounter it. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted I wanted stories that were airy, that were you know that came from elsewhere and which were uh you know which dealt with that sort of 
you know, how else can this be done? Aside from the Judeo-Christian, you know, standard exorcist uh, sort of uh, narrative that we've, you know, that, that we've come to, come to enjoy, you know, it's it, because, you know, the standard, the standard demonic possession, you know, tends to shore up some pretty, uh, you know, some pretty core values of, you know, Western, Western culture. Yes. And which I wanted to see things from other cultures. I wanted to see how it was approached. I wanted to see how it could be a positive experience, still horrific, of course, because we're dealing with weird fiction, you know, but I wanted to see, you know, how, how does consciousness adapt to intrusion or, uh, you know, uh, uh, intrusion or uh, amalgamation, you know, syn- you know, how, how do we synthesize with something that's not us, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a, it, it was an exploration of the other. Uh, but as I said, it was, it was it was airy, and so almost on a almost on a whim, I was. Oh, what was what was the trigger? I'm trying to think. This is a, how it often is with how I plan uh, how I plan anthologies. It's like, well, what's what's the next one going to be? You know, <laughs> is the next one going to be absolute crap? Maybe I'll have a terrible idea at one point. Not yet, but soon, I'm sure of it. Uh, I don't think I don't think Phonics the one though, because. Uh, we went from, you know, we went from the realms of outer space and consciousness and intellect and all the rest to, you know, just getting down in the dirt. We wanted, we wanted stories of basically weird tales from, from, from under the surface. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't want, oh, this happens in a basement. You know, this weird tale is, you know, uh, you know in, a, in a parking garage three levels down. You know, I wanted truly... You know, uh, yeah, co- subterranean cavern worlds, hollow earth theory and fables, uh, and folks just knocked it out of the park. We have, so we have the subterranean civilizations, but we also have individuals who are encountering relics of of spaces below and how that alters their life above and how that draws them draws them below. Uh, Ramsey Campbell submitted a story out of the blue. I, I didn't ask him. He just said, I think this might fit. It's just wow. So wonderful. And you know, it's, it's a reprint, you know, if you've read, if you've read his, uh, his collection demons by daylight, you've read this story. It's called at the end of a summer's day, but I was pretty much, yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was, the, that knocked my socks off for about two days. <laughs> <laughs> two days straight so uh, we've got a Ramsey Campbell story in there uh, we have a Christopher Slatsky story in there that uh, I believe is also a reprint but again not many folks have read Christopher and I, I think more should uh, oh gosh who else do we have I'm blanking now hold on while I pull it up <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's 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 been like that and it's it's been a wonderful experience putting together uh, cathonic weird tales of inner earth because it's been quite uh, it's been quite different. It's, it was, uh, I, I, this is what I enjoy about the whole process of, of building these anthologies is that they're always, you know, it's always something else. It's, it's never quite, it's, it's never quite the same story throughout. And, uh, you know, it's never, it's never quite the same process as, 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 as you're building, as you're building the, uh, as you're building the book. Sorry, I got to put in a different drive here. But yeah, Cathonic is uh, coming out before Christmas. Where uh, we've got uh, 
We've got some wonderful cover art by uh, Lucas Court, uh, which I'm very excited about. And we're getting some in. But this is going to be the first uh, Martian Migraine Press anthology that has uh, uh, interior illustrations by the, the German illustrator uh, uh, Fu Fu Wall. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I met him at Necronomicon and we, we got chatting. And I had, uh, of course, bought a bunch of his stuff. And, and, and his, his, his work is so visceral and dirty you know it's got that sort of oh yeah uh you know it's got that real sort of uh uh crunchy crunchy look so i'm like hmm could this be the guy and i looked at more of his uh, material and i'm like yeah that's the guy we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll work with fufu and he was he was quite excited to, to to get on board too so he's he started to send me material for it and i'm i'm happy about that I'm yeah. excited about it too. <laughs> yeah. I I got a shirt from him at Necronomicon, <laughs> and it is the most comfortable shirt I wear. And right. I mean, it's like every I'm gonna wear it out, and it's horrible. <laughs> and it's not even that old, and I've, yeah. I've washed it. And I love the shirt. Good sign. Excellent. So. Yeah, I, I, I love his stuff, so I'm happy to happy to be working with him. Yeah, we've got uh, the seed story for that one is going to be uh, the Rats in the Walls. Ooh, the Rats in the Walls by by Lovecraft, of course, because mm -hmm. uh, you know it's 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 something we've always gone ahead with. Is you know, I love Lovecraft, always have. It's uh, despite recent kerfuffles, which I've learned recently is a Canadian word. <laughs> Really? So, so there you go. You're welcome. Uh, you know, the rest okay. of the world. We, we gave we gave that to you. Besides the, you know, us. Quite aside from the kerfuffles regarding Lovecraft, it's like you can't deny, you know, that he's had a major influence, and we like to, you know, we like to honor that. Uh, but we've also got, you know, aside from the rats in the walls, we've got John Linwood Grant from Britain uh, sent us a, a World War Two in the trenches. Uh, deep beneath the trenches story, which which literally I literally uh, teared up at the end of it. It was just so brutal. Uh, we've got uh, a reprint of uh, Nadia Bolkin's uh, uh, Pugilbone. I may be pronouncing it incorrectly, but that's a that's a sci-fi future uh, future tale. Uh, oh gosh, we've got uh, Sam Edwards. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a tale of uh, basically. Uh, uh, Colombian Shining Path gorillas that take it below ground. Uh, that's pretty disturbing, and uh, just a lot of newer authors too, because that's why that's why that's why I do the open calls. I do the open calls because although it's nice to it's nice to work with people you know and you know can produce something that's going to fit, I like to get the outlier. You know, it's like where did that come from? Who is this person? Doesn't matter. That story works. Yeah, and so, there it goes. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be seventeen stories, and it's going to be smaller. Oh, it's it's not as many as Breath from the Sky because there's so much claustrophobia with being under the earth, and it's like you know we better make this a little a little tighter because if we have it too much, this is going to be too oppressive. <laughs> PSI, yeah. you got that increased PSI income. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. These are these are heavy. Heavy, crushing stories. Okay. <laughs> yeah, slightly shorter book as a result. <laughs> Another quick question for you. Do you foresee in the future any time that you might step away 
from basing an anthology on Lovecraft, or were you, will, do you intend on sticking with Lovecraft for I'm, further anthologies in the future? That's actually the next one, uh, which will be the, the, the major one for 2018. We are, I have decided to do that, to do exactly that and break away from Lovecraft. Uh, we're actually going to go a little earlier than Lovecraft. Uh, Algernon Blackwood's *The Willows* will be the root story. As long as have you have have either of you read it? I think I, I read it a long time ago. Yeah, but I will now. Yeah, it's oh yes, it's uh, it, the theme for the next one is basically, uh, and I just realized I haven't actually announced it yet anywhere. So <laughs> this is this is going to be exclusives. So yeah, it's uh, basically the theme is that of uh, one of my main interests as a writer, you know, of weird fiction and of horror fiction is, you know, the it's sometimes used as a trope, but when it's done really interestingly, I, I, I love it and I try to bring it into my own fiction as much as possible. The idea that, you know, nothing of what you see and experience is is quite as it actually is. I think that's that's where the rug gets pulled out from under you know humans and under characters and in, in stories where they're like, oh, I had I had assumed that that such and such was this and so, but in fact, it is not like that at all. So basically, the theme is uh, uh, camouflage. Uh, and uh, that sort of adaptive, aggressive camouflage that uh, that uh, that we see in the animal world, and we see in the plant world, uh, where you know, uh, predatory or you know, not always predatory, but prey that can kind of like swap roles and become a predator at the on, on the uh, you know once the situation goes their way, mm -hmm. uh, but but leveled up, leveled up in such a way that you've got you know, uh, a reality that appears to be exactly the reality that it is. Uh, but in fact, you know, once one enters, you know, deep enough into it, I'm maybe making it sound more confusing than it is. The theme is camouflage. The root, the root story is Algernon Blackwood's The, uh, the Willows, which is, you know, it's an interesting tale. And it's basically, you've got these two protagonists and you've got, and they're both fairly reliable narrators because this is an older story from, you know, the early 20th century. And they're out on the Danube, uh, basically canoeing and camping and canoeing some more and camping some more. And they're basically traveling along the Danube and they get to this very isolated place uh, where they, it's one of those uh, places where the veil is thin, right? It's a thin veiled place and they sense that they're, you know, at the, at the mercy of forces they can't quite comprehend. But what's interesting about it is that the forces are there, not so much because it's thin, but because the natural world mirrors what they are. So the, the willows are, are, they're sort of, they're of the willows, but not of the willows. They like being in the willows because, and it's not that they look like the willows, they don't. Uh, <laughs> but something about, you know, something about how our reality manifests, manifests on this island, on this river, with these plants, is attractive to these things and they have an affinity with it. And so, yeah, interesting story in that regard. And I think you see this in a lot of the ecological, you know, weird fiction that's coming out. Like, for instance, I mean, the best example I can think of is uh, uh, Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation, where things are, things have a, a seeming appearance, 
but that's but that's exactly what it is. It is a seeming, right? It it appears to be that. It's not. It's not. Uh, or it's more. It's more of the same. So, uh, so I know one of these days I'm going to pick a theme that's just gonna it's gonna be more. It's, I think this maybe might be the one where it's like I'm biting off more than I can chew. I'm asking too much of folks. I ran it by some fellow editors. I'm like, what do you think of this idea? How's this going to fly? And they're like, it's going to be hard to dumb down. I'm like, it is. It is. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> it, like it, you're going to have to caffeinate yourself quite a bit. Oh, you know, I'm already at ridiculous levels, but yeah. <laughs> Will this be a, a print publication for 2018? Or is this oh, also absolutely. Really absolutely. Yeah, all, uh, pretty much everything we've done after Conqueror Womb uh, was uh, you know be, before Con before Conqueror Womb it was all electronic and and then uh, you know once we actually started doing all right with this we've just, we we went into print as well and now now we focus mostly on print I would say the yeah the ebook boom was interesting wasn't it it's kind of, I know it's still technically you know a, a functioning thing mm -hmm. right but at least from my experience it's been more of a yeah, not so much anymore. I think, you know, people have gone, you know, they've come full circle. They still like, I still like my ebooks. I like them for the bus. I like them for traveling. You know, I like it just to pick something up before going to sleep, you know, or, uh, but yeah, I think people, people are back on, uh, on, on functional, you know, zombie tree. <laughs> yeah. Ways to get their stories. Yeah, as I say, I, I can't do ebook. Uh, <laughs> of, of travel and caffeinating yourself. Okay. <laughs> what is this we're looking at? We're 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 going to break for a moment for a word oh, from excellent. our sponsors. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. I don't know if you're like me, but I definitely prefer their night owl blend. This is some wonderful stuff. And you can find it at birdscoffeecompany.com. And for a limited time, they have started brewing up a special blend, the Legends Blend. We Yes, you can get your very own Legends of Tabletop Coffee at birdscoffeecompany.com. And also, use the code LEGENDS10 at checkout for a 10% discount. Now, I'm going to I'm going to go into a little bit of definition here for you. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company, they do roast their unique craft coffees in small batches so it's always fresh and that includes the Legends Tabletop Blend. Um, their signature blends like the Legends of Tabletop Blend that you can find at birdscoffeecompany.com showcase the amazing breadth and depth of flavors that coffee has to offer. My favorite, the Night Owl Blend, for example, is a rich, deep cup of coffee with notes of smooth caramel, decadent cocoa, and bittersweet molasses with just a touch of acidity to cleanse the palate so you're ready for the next sip. And you can check out all of the Birds Coffee and order today at birdscoffeecompany.com. And you can use the code LEGENDS10 at checkout for a 10% discount. And now back to you, Scott. Well, uh, before, before we jump back to Scott, you can't actually find 
the legends of tabletop brew at birdscoffeecompany.com. You have to follow a convoluted pathway. There is a link on our website. Uh, just head up to the menu bar. It's uh, birdscoffeecompany.com forward slash coffees forward slash legends dash of dash tabletop dash legendary dash brew. So if you got all that, you can type it in or just hit the website. It's legendsoftabletop.com. Hit that menu bar, link out right to the coffee. It's fantastic. I just put an order in two days ago, so I'm waiting to get mine. <laughs> See, now, if, if I'm thankful you're here because I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> See, you need to be on the website. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, man. But, yes, uh, oh, gosh. So I, I apologize, Scott. No. We were we were at uh, we were continuing your speaking of the newer anthology in 2018. Right. Do you have anything further that you might have available for us, such as any new works by Justine G that we might need oh, to yeah. be aware of? Well, uh, yeah, obviously you've been paying attention. Um, there will be coming out from, uh, uh, f uh, they're called uh, uh, Festa Furlag. Let me just make sure. They're a German publisher of, uh, let's see, where is that? They're a German publisher of, no, Festa Verlag. Verlag. So they're a German publisher of like extreme horror and extreme sort of horror erotica. And you can find them at uh, festa, festa verlagde So they basically uh, came to, uh, they came to Justine, who's one of our authors, who, and I should just basically come right out and say it. It's, uh, she's actually me. It was a, uh, yeah, Justine was a, uh, an early, uh, an early, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Fake name, pseudonym, uh, because I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to write this uh, Lovecraftian uh, erotic horror, how's how's that how's that going to sell? If you know, if I if I slap you know Scott R. Jones, and then people look me up and find that I'm, well, you know, mid a middle-aged fellow with kids and a job, <laughs> that's not so that's not so great. <laughs> That that, that 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 doesn't really sell it. Uh, You're so not basically, the only one. I know. I I know exactly. I'm not the only one. No, uh, but not. it's it's nice to uh, at at the time it felt like because this was very early on in the uh, you know in the evolution of Martian migraine and mm -hmm. and uh, you know what we were putting out and I've always enjoyed that stuff. I think it's you know what's interesting about horror fiction and what's interesting about comedy fiction and is the same thing that's interesting about erotic material is that you know all all of that stuff gives you a very specific somatic response mm -hmm. you know good horror fiction especially good body horror fiction is you you're going to get the creeps you're going to have a scare you're going to get the chills and thrills that's what you want you're always going to laugh you know your body is going to laugh and respond to a humorous situation in, in a book with comedy mm -hmm. uh you know good omens is a, you know a fantastic example of that and the same thing with erotic fiction if it's decent well you know what's going to go down and uh so yeah so my thought was well we'll do this but i didn't exactly want to you know at that early stage you know ne necessarily associate you know my my main author name uh with the uh with the blackstone book so yeah i made up justine g and uh, a friend of mine decided to loan her face 
to me. So that worked out nicely. <laughs> but then, of course, uh, uh, Festa Verlag, the Frank Festa from, from Germany, basically was asking around and said, who, who should we get next? And uh, somebody advised that Justine G was somebody to look into. And he read the books and he contacted her email address. <laughs> right. and said we'd like to we'd like to put out a we'd like to put out a limited uh you know one th uh one thousand uh, uh one thousand long print run i guess so a thousand books hardcover signed how would you like to do that justine fantastic <laughs> i write back uh <laughs> i'd love to and they you know the, the the decent pay the whole deal and uh but you know you should know ahead of time and then we had a kind of funny little exchange where it was like, okay, oh, we don't want to necessarily, uh, we don't want to necessarily uh, lie to our, lie to our, lie to our customers. And I'm like, well, that's not, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's a pen name. It happens all the time. You know, Stephen King and, you know, Richard Bachman and, you know, all those, all those names that are linked. And so I'm, I'm okay with however you want to do it. You know, you're the publisher he goes, well, if, if we do it the way we want to do it, Justine G won't be a secret I'm like, anymore. I'm like, it's fine. Everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. Or at least, you know, most, uh, most of the folks who, uh, you know, who, who, who know me in the weird fiction circles were, you know, pretty much early on aware. It's like, well, she writes like Scott. It's Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more fun than most of the stuff he usually does. But yeah, so it is, and uh, I just got the signature sheets the other day. They they came in, and they sent me some very nice pens with it as well. It's like something I'm gonna definitely gonna be doing in the future if I ever do signature sheets for a Martian Martian migraine book. Uh, yeah, send your authors pens so you don't get random inks all over the yeah all over the signature sheets. But yeah, there's my name on the uh, there's my name on the uh, on the signature sheet. So bye, Justine. Nice working with you. <laughs> <laughs> At, at least, at least as far as the Germans are concerned, maybe we'll let it ride a little in, in North America. <laughs> mm. Oh man! Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean now, now that now that we have covered that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man! Now I have been very pleased to get my own copy of this. Nice. I strongly recommend that all of you weird fiction lovers that also love Word Horde get your own copy. This one is mine. Um, so anyway, get your own copy. Uh, <laughs> but other than that book, where else can we find you? Like my own personal stuff. Yeah, your own personal stuff. Uh, uh, well, I'm the uh, I'm the author of uh, When the Stars Are Right, mm -hmm. uh, which we probably discussed. And said that's that's my that's my favorite baby. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, towards uh, an authentic Relayan spirituality, and that's uh, that's a fairly uh, that's a fairly personal book. It's technically nonfiction, but you know some fictional elements <laughs> uh, in, interweaved into it. Uh, I have been published in Lackington's Magazine here in Canada. Uh, oh gosh, where else? Uh, I had a story in, I guess it technically makes me an international author, but I was in, in uh, Australia's uh, Andromeda Flightways in-flight magazine, Spaceways in-flight magazine. Yeah, that's it. It's Andromeda Spaceways in-flight magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, that was their uh, issue 62. 
I was in that. Uh, where else? Uh, Flesh Like Smoke. I've got a werewolf story in that. Ooh. Well, it's just sh- it's a shapeshifter story. Uh, so Flesh Like Smoke is out of, uh, I, they're out of, I believe, Ontario. And yeah, very neat book, fully illustrated, lots of great authors in there. Uh, and I've been in a couple of word word books. Ross seems to, Ross is, uh, Ross is a fan. So, um, you know, I, I, I send him material and each time I do, I'm like, at this time he'll say no, <laughs> not, not so far. So I must be doing something right. I must be doing something right for Ross. But the latest one is indeed the one you held up there, Tales from a Talking Board, which I'm alternately like excited to have that story out there. It's called Worse Than Demons. Yes. But also it's very personal. It's like you don't often get to go into personal areas with weird fiction, but with this one I did, it's uh, it's got a lot of stuff from childhood, mm-hmm. you know, religious material in it. Yes. Everyone's got a Ouija board story from when they were kids. You know, everyone, everyone. <laughs> and mine's particularly odd. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've also got, uh, I can't think of all the places I've been. I've been. Oh, I was in the Necronomicon, uh, the Necronomicon convention. Um, the, 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 what do you call it? The souvenir book. I was in the yeah, souvenir book. Yeah. So if you were at Necronomicon, I'm in there too. Right. I've got to run upstairs <laughs> now. <laughs> Right. It's sad because I, I packed light when I went because I knew you have to because you know so many books while I'm there and then of course I'm glad I packed light because I had just enough room to fit all of the books that I got <laughs> and I still wanted to get more. Um, you never have enough room; you can never get enough. But uh, yeah, I I I am gonna. We're off with a couple of different questions for you. Sure. Uh, some of some of which you have answered previously. Ooh. So I'm going to throw a few new ones in there too. Nice. I'm ready. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? And it's interesting to see how some people evolve and change with time with their answers to these. I can't remember my last answer, but that's probably because I've changed since then. What was my last answer? I'm trying to think. I wouldn't have said... Yeah, I can't recall. Let me see. What would I have now? Mm-hmm. What would I have now? Uh, wow, that is tough, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'll basically go with uh, sort of a Luke Cage deal. Right? Oh. That invulnerability right now, That's that that seems that seems attractive to me at this at this at this point in my evolution okay you know, mostly because i think you could do interesting things with it yeah that was my reason for the last one i said super speed last time <laughs> oh god i said super speed because it seemed, it seemed, it seemed, watch the flash or something yeah I just, I just remembered it i just remembered it. i said i said super speed because that would give you lots of options and interesting things you could do with it but so too could you do interesting things with with invulnerability mm-hmm. i think and it would be less, and it would be less flashy, right? You could yes. pretty much, you could pretty much live normally with invulnerability. Yeah, it's uh, not tell anyone. Exactly, you know, you wouldn't have to, you know, you wouldn't get called out all that much. Of course, as once long people, as you get hospitalized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's that. So, yeah, I'd go with that. That that would that would lend to some uh, interesting travel experiences, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marvel or DC. 
Yeah, I'm still going to go with DC on that. All uh, right. Just despite their troubles, I, you know, it's just uh, it's just the gods walking on Earth. I just you can't uh, you can't go well. I mean, you can't go terribly wrong with it. But yeah, and they do go terribly wrong with it. But you know, as a you know, as a, as a as as a company, I think that's a that's a good way to go for them. <laughs> sci-fi or fantasy? I think sci-fi. Okay. Yeah, I'm always going to gravitate towards that more than, you know, unless there's unless there's elements that can really ground it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it's I, I I haven't really been into fantasy for a while, for okay. a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose urban fantasy, I guess that's the closest I would get. Okay. Yeah, you because know, I'd, I'd I'd want it slightly modernized, I suppose. Now, I, I don't know, I doubt if you have enough free time to, uh, yeah, free time, what is that? Yeah, um, <laughs> if you have the power to create one perfect movie or TV adaptation of a video game story, which game do you pick? Of a video game story? Whoa. Let me think here. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's interesting because a lot of my video game uh, consumption has been mediated through the uh, uh, through the you know, through the filter of my six year old boy right now. And one thing I find interesting about interacting with the kid on on that level is that you know he's he's very into the Minecraft. Mm -hmm. As you know, how could you not be? I was watching that late the the last episode of the uh, third season of Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. Rick's sitting down with Morty and they're playing Minecraft. Yeah. And Rick says, "What is this game? Is this game made for autistic people?" That was something I said when we first sat down to play. <laughs> you know, because I'm I'm playing this. I'm going, "What is going on here? I'm mining things to get more things to mine other. What is this for? Yeah, like, you know, my my boy doesn't know what autism is, and I just kind of said it out loud without thinking. It was stupid, but then of course, you know, they have horrible Rick saying that. So that's the kind of person I clearly am. Um, but then I'm looking at you know we're. we're he's making up stories on the fly mm -hmm. and but i haven't in you know in my in my limited interaction with you know with minecraft uh i haven't really seen a lot of a lot of interesting story mode i hear that it's there mm -hmm. i guess i would want to see uh yeah at this point in time i think if you could do a perfect adaptation you'd I, it's such an open world and there's weird stuff going on in it Mm -hmm. My kid gets out the guidebooks and he's reading it. And he said to me the other day, if you can dig below the bedrock, there's an infinite abyss. What's an, <gasps> what's, what's an abyss, dad? <gasps> I'm, like, I'm like, oh boy. Cause I'm an occultist from way back. And I'm like, we do not want to get into abyssal talk at this stage of the game, kid. You know? Don't look at it <laughs> too long, boy. Yeah. Don't look into the <laughs> You know, I'll, t I'll teach you how to wink at it when it winks back at you. But other than that, where, you know, this is, you know, and then somebody else said to me, oh, that's an easy way to explain the abyss. Just say to the kid, think of everything. <laughs> now take it away. <laughs> that's the abyss. I'm like, okay, perfect. But it's, you know, it's got this weird stuff in there because there's supposed to be, so there's the, there's the, am I going too long, too long on this? There's basically the overworld of of Minecraft. I think probably everybody who's gotten near the game knows this. There's an overworld, and then there's this other dimension called the Nether that you can get to, and it's basically a hell dimension. And then there's another dimension called the End. Uh, 
but so Sean is, that's my boy. He's, you know, thinking about it to the, to the degree where he's like, well, if I can dig below the bedrock, mm -hmm. I'll get to the nether that way. And I'm like, no, the guidebook says that underneath the bedrock, there's nothing. It's an abyss. So we're, you know, we're tar starting to talk about like, oh, well, maybe, you know, the, the nether is a dimension. It could be under there, but it's not. It's under there, but it's over also over to the side. <laughs> so, you know, dimension dimensionally speaking, you know, it's like, you know, 16 degrees off the central finite curve and you're not going to get anywhere near it. No matter how deep you dig, you got to have the portal and all the rest of my boys like, hmm. Mm, you know, he strokes his non-existent beard for me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you know, in terms of in terms of you know openness for for storytelling, I think you know Minecraft could be interesting. What the okay. hell are they doing in there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did this you come know, to pass? <laughs> I, I, I. That's my answer. <laughs> that 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 is that is a fantastic answer. Thank you. Now, so. I picked up an issue of a women's fashion magazine and saw on the back that they had taken the question about the superpowers. Yeah, yeah they've done that recently. Turnabout is fair play. All right. So I've modified a few questions from them as well. Oh, fantastic. What's that? Right. What is the most gracious response to the rejections and setbacks that you have faced throughout your life? a gracious response from me sure uh, gracious response well in terms of, again i'd have to map that onto the whole <laughs> the whole writing career right mm -hmm. a gracious response to a rejection you know that's pretty much all the rejection i've ever received in the last you know 10 years or so has been you know rejections for stories so i have to go there uh and that would be the most gracious response is no response or thank you yeah <laughs> that's uh you know early on i think i'm you know i made the mistakes that uh that a lot of a lot of writers make early on which is which is contacting the editor after receiving the standard rejection and saying saying what was wrong with it how can i fix it everybody's done it you know i totally have sympathy for uh for folks who who now send me that question and most of the time, again, because of time constraints, I won't respond and, you know, they'll learn eventually. But if I, you know, if I'm feeling particularly, particularly gracious now and I get that question from somebody, I'll say, all right, here's the basics, but you should know A, B, and C, right? And that's not always the quality of the writing. It could be that we were talking about this earlier where it's like not proper fit. It's, yeah. there's, there's many factors and a lot of those factors are a little bit nebulous. Mm -hmm. Right, I can't speak to it, which is why, you know, why the standard rejection you get you get for most editors and most most projects is, thank you for sending it in. It's not right for us at this time. Bye. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's my gracious response. Nothing. <laughs> what is the most agonizing career-based decision you've ever had to make? Most agonizing career-based decision. Oi. Well, I think, you know, in terms of, we'll go beyond writing here, but basically, uh, you know, any sort of uh, drastic career shifts. I'm on the third, I'm on my, how, how many careers do they say in, in, the average North American male Six. has? Six. Okay, well, I'm on three. <laughs> I'm on the third, so I was a graphic designer for for, uh, for quite a few years out of, out of school. 
you know, and obviously I still dabble in it, you know, it's still something I enjoy doing. Uh, the shift from that to, you know, I was a, I was a massage therapist for a decade. Mm-hmm. So that was a rather drastic shift from, you know, uh, you know, graphic geek, graphic, exactly, you know, geeky sitting in a, sitting in a cubicle, you know, making logos fly around. That's quite different from massage. So, uh, but you know, I was a registered therapist there. So that was a, that was a big shift. Definitely got healthier as a result. Yeah. Uh, but the most agonizing one I'd say was, was quitting that. Really? Realized, well, yeah, because you know, you can only take so. You, you wouldn't think it likely, but you, you, you could only stand so many naked bodies in a lifetime. And I've had my lifetime's worth. It's just, it's just you get to a point where you're just like, I can't do it anymore. There is a huge, mm-hmm. like, emotional toll, right? There's a physical toll because it's physical work, but there's also like, I'm done. So, I, and I was done. And it was like, it was hard to basically say, you know, basically, I think I overstayed my welcome for myself. Where it was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Uh, and yeah, now, uh, now I'm a mailman. <laughs> so that, so that, that was the most agonizing thing was 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 shifting from like like this, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'll, it was a very feminized healing environment, you know, and that was absolutely fine. I was, you know, adapted well to that. But then to come out, come out of that and basically go to a quasi military uh you know uh, tough boys and tougher girls kind of you know, working environment was quite uh whew. yeah that was that was a steep learning curve <laughs> but you know I, I adapt adopt and improve you know it's all part of the relaying spirituality thing you know if you can't if you can't shog off it up and uh, <laughs> become what is needed in the moment then uh yeah yeah so yeah that was the most agonizing Speaking of gothing <laughs> it up and yeah. doing what is needed in the moment, how did you make your first dollar? How did I make my first dollar? Yeah. Oh, is this one? Of, this is again one of the uh, one of the one of the uh, women's magazines questions. How did I make this my first is one dollar? of the this is a woman's like my absolute 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 first dollar. Oh yes, I was a paper boy. <gasps> yeah. and- so you come, you come kind of a I've come full circle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I note that every time I pass a paper boy, I'm like, well, there we go. <laughs> Do they have paper boys anymore? I did the same they, thing, but now everybody well, you know, they don't really have up here in Canada in Victoria. They don't really have paper boys so much anymore. It's just like folks who just deliver the paper on the side i haven't really seen many kids do it i think kids are smarter these days yeah, it's just not kid. worth it yeah not like 10 years <laughs> yeah it's just it's just not worth it unless you can do like multiple routes and really you know really make some de- you know some some reasonable money from delivering papers but i think most kids are like eh, not what so is- much <laughs> what is one thing that you're exceptionally good at Oh my gosh, I'm Canadian. You can't ask me that question. <laughs> oh, I just did. <laughs> what am I exceptionally good at? Oh yeah. Uh, mm, see, if I say if I say writing, I sound not humble, and I don't feel my writing's at a point where where I can where I can say that. So I won't say that. But I did just bring it up, and I hope to be that. I hope I hope to have that be the thing that I'm exceptionally good at. Uh, right now, I'd have to say I'm uh, doing a kick-ass job of being a dad. <laughs> I've had two sick kids in the house for the last uh, for the last two days. 
it's nice to talk to adults. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Just at that point where they're like just sick enough to be irritating, but not sick enough to, you know, be, you know, there's, you, you get to learn these little, little, little human spawn quite, quite well. And it's like, I wish you were a little bit sicker because then you'd be calmer. You'd be whining, <laughs> you'd be whining less, right? Oh <laughs> um, they're really you know, sick. Just the joy. You're like, oh, you're fine. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to flip this. Okay. <laughs> what are you really bad at? Just one thing. What are you terrible at? The, what's the, what are you the worst at? I am uh, really, I'm really bad at home repair. Okay. I'm really bad at home repair. I could probably start listing if I really thought about it. No. No, that'll, that'll do? No, that, yeah. that will do. That yeah. will do. I've had some recent successes, I, which have made me go, oh, gosh, maybe I'm not as bad as I think, but, you know. <laughs> like anything else, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll have to make a reappraisal of that. <laughs> now, how do you like to hit the reset button after a terrible day? After a terrible day. Or, or even an experience. It can just be like something terrible happens and you're like, reset. How, how do you hit the reset button? I like to basically hit the showers you know hit the showers and then uh you know uh run out grab some takeout you know grab some craft beer bring it on home have dinner with the wife watch a movie you know pretty standard pretty standard <laughs> what song would you like played at your funeral wow Wow. Um, it's that old spiritual. What is it? I'm trying to recall the name. Uh, Notice I've been, I've yeah. been fondling my non-existent beard as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, uh, oh, it was in the, it was in the, it was in Old Brother Where Art Thou. I am a poor, oh. way, poor wayfaring stranger. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love that song. If it could be done with a steel guitar, mm -hmm. all the better. That's a that's 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 a sweet one. I okay. sing I sing that one all right too. So, but of course, I won't be able to do it. So, cool. yeah. What <laughs> job? Now that we've gone through all these questions about career and how you come full circle with your <laughs> experience, what job, if you were offered it, would make you immediately drop everything you're doing to say yes to? Just wow, yeah, okay, well, everything I'm doing that would have to be, uh, you know, if any one of the big six publishers came and said, We like your editorial style, please come on board, I would do it, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't even have to be big six. It could be just you know an, an imprint, but just to get your foot in the door and and uh, you know not not be a small press anymore. I love the small press. Don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. you know the chance to actually you know flex those particular uh, muscles in a more professional capacity would be yeah that would be a no brainer for me. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm gonna go ahead and time this. <laughs> Okay. So that John can stick around for the very last question I have for you. What okay. is the, Oh, wait, no, it's not the last question, but it's the second to last. What's the first music album you ever bought with your own money? 
Oh, wow, that's easy. Uh, I was a weird kid that didn't actually go the usual route. Uh, my parents were extremely worried because I was into world beat and jazz, and it was uh, the uh, New York-based uh, uh, sort of new age jazz group Shadow Facts. Yes, oh, I yes, you remember them? Yeah, Shadow Facts. It was folk songs for a nuclear village. Cool. <laughs> there, was a, there was there was. Go ahead. <laughs> what album can you listen to all the way through without skipping a single track? That would be uh, Nico Case's Furnace Room Lullaby. Okay. Yeah. Now absolutely. we're gonna go meta. Any, anything by Nico Case, really. We're gonna go meta here. Oh, good. And, My favorite. And this really is the closing question <laughs> that I have for you today. All right, Leah. What question do you wish that I would have asked you? What question? Uh, how's the novel going? <laughs> How is the novel going? I had to chat with Molly Tanzer. She's like, you have to, you have to choose. Are you going to be a short story writer or a novel writer? And I'm like, oh, short stories for sure, because that seems to be where my, you know, that's my wheelhouse and seems to be where I have the most success. She says, oh, good, because. You know, there's nothing worse than a novelist who tries to, you know, break into break into publishing with short stories. Like I understand that. And then three days after talking with her, what do you know? Up bubbles the idea. I'm like, wait, that could completely work. Oh God, I've got a novel. Damn it. <laughs> so, I'm always kind of embarrassed talking talking to Molly now because it's like, sorry. I'm still working on the short stories. Obviously, I've got all those projects. But uh, yeah, the new novel is called Stonefish. And it's it goes back to that whole uh, camouflage reality uh, thing I was talking about earlier, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's uh, it's uh, it's still early days. It's not going to be ready for a long while, but uh, okay. I'm you know I'm getting up every morning at four in the morning to you know crank out two hours on the thing, and yeah, we'll have a first draft by February, I figure. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, yes, and again, thank you so much, Scott, for taking you. the time to talk with me tonight. Always so, a pleasure, Leah. Hey, thanks, man. I mean, and <laughs> I look for, I look forward to Cathonic, and yeah, and, and I look forward to the Algernon Blackwood project. Yeah. We we don't have a we don't actually have a title for it yet. It's I, okay, it's, you will. Figure it out. And we announced it here. Thank you so much. Yay! <laughs> hey, Scott, where's where's the best place to buy your books? Is it from your website? Is it better to purchase like on Amazon or other no, locations I, to kind of get the word out? I, I, either way is good. I, I like it when folks order from MartianMigrainePress.com uh, because then I, I kind of get to know them a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, you know, all hail the mighty Amazon algorithm, right? That yeah. does make a difference, and oftentimes it is cheaper for the consumer, and then, you know, it gets to them faster. So, yeah, I would say, you know, go to Amazon and, uh, you know, bump up the numbers a little bit and slap your reviews down there. That never hurts. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the reviews are key for that algorithm too it really uh, is. yeah it really is it's like they have the what do you call them that the, i guess there's trigger numbers there's the you know there's the there's the 10 reviews there's the 50 there's 100 you know no martian migraine i, I guess because we're so niche you know we rarely have anything that's that's uh, that's topped above uh, topped above 15 reviews but uh yeah given time given time 
Right. And, and that is almost, almost, if not more important than actually buying the books. Like you could buy the books and it's great and you support, yep. but their reviews are so key and, you know, yep. getting the thing bumped up and, you know, kind of getting the word out there. So, That's you know, true. if you love the books being put out by Martian Migraine, tell your friends, you know, tell tell your neighbors, tell the people you work <laughs> with and, and, you know, try to convince them to go ahead and write a review and you write a review, <laughs> you know, cause we say that too. And I, you know, I'm, I'm reticent in the same regard to, go and post reviews myself. So, yeah, yeah, it's difficult. I think because, you know, uh, I think folks, when it comes to writing reviews, they sort of feel that there's, there's a lot hanging on it. And because we're all sort of aware of what the algorithm does. So I think there's a, there's a certain, there's a certain pressure they feel that maybe makes them, you know, feeling like they don't want to write a review, but it doesn't, you know, it's honestly, honestly doesn't take much. It doesn't have to be exhaustive. It doesn't have to be necessarily a positive review either. You know, did you not like it for several, for, you know, a number of reasons? Mention that, you know, it's all, it's all part of, you know, uh, 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 gearing, you know, basically attracting, attracting the right reader to the book. You know, I, allow, I know lots of folks are like, wow, that negative review really makes me want to buy it. <laughs> you know? Because, you, you know, it's, it's by what's missing. You can say, ah, so they don't like that. But I do like those things. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. Yeah. It never hurts. Never hurts. All right. Well, let me throw this one at you, and then I'm going to have to get out of here. Uh, where, do you, where do you see uh, weird fiction, in, or uh, not weird fiction, but weird fiction too. Uh, where yeah. do you see small press going in the future? Uh, I think it's probably going to get more niche, uh, but the quality has been uh, – you know, very rapidly increasing. Uh, we're getting more more quality more quality writers, a lot better production quality with uh, you know with a lot of the uh, a lot of the venues for you know actually getting the physical product out there are just getting better and better and better. Uh, but I'd like the first part of your question though is like where is weird fiction going? And I think it's only it's only just started because I think. You know, I mentioned this at Necronomicon on a couple of panels where it's like weird fiction has something vital to say about where we're at as a, you know, not as not as nation states or, you know, economic blocks or anything like that right now. But as like as a species, as a species, I think it speaks to something really core to what we are learning about ourselves and what we're learning about our place within, you know, within whatever this is. Uh, you know, the structure of reality and so on. And I think, you know, if, if it's more and more writers are approaching it that way, it's become less about, you know, it's becoming less about, you know, all the, the horrors of existence and what we don't know and Lovecraft's whole, you know, fear of the unknown. You know, it's one of my favorite quotes is from the, you know, it's, it's from Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu where he's like, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, we're on, we're on the edge of black seas of infinity and it's not meant that we should travel far which is fine if you're Lovecraft, but I think for the rest of us, it's like, what are our options? You know, there really is no, there really is no retreat to the peace and safety of a new dark age, Howie. You know, like that's, that's like nice the thing. coordinates that you have pasted across your chest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good exactly. starting point. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like for us, uh, to, for us to survive, I think we need to start, you know, exercising these options and looking to these places that previously we've been like, oh, we can't look there. It's like, it's time to look. Yeah. That's, that may be the way out. A forward escape into weirdness, I think, is a, a good plan. 
Right. Uh, the nature of the fiction changes as we change, as society changes and highlights exactly. those different fears that are, you know, current in the, in the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, it, and it's interesting to kind of see how that is and, you know, see how people react to that. And like I say, it's, you know, kind of a niche thing, but, um, you know, the community is as strong as it is, you know, with things like Necronomicon, you know, you've got 2000 people who are super into the thing that you're into, you know, mm -hmm. and, it's, it's, and it's, uh, affirming in that regard. It's like, Oh, it's not, I'm not just reading this weird thing. It's not just me. There's like this whole group, you know, other group that's involved and, and interested and, uh, expressive. It's, it makes me feel about this big when I go, cause I'm like, wow, these people are all so smart and I'm just here kind of like hanging out, soaking it in. I'm like way overmatched here. <laughs> Absolutely. But again, we all feel like that to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is Necronomicon is, if you haven't been viewers, it's, 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 it's worth a shot because it is overwhelming in the best way. Easily one of the best convention experiences I've ever had. So, yep. <laughs> it's my go-to in the years that it's, that it's on. That's, that's the one I make sure that I go to. Cool. Well, we'll see you in 2019. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've got to bounce. You guys can stay and hang out, but I've got to go pick up my kids. So it was a pleasure awesome. to, to uh, co-host for a change and get a chance to uh, talk for a little bit longer. All right. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.